0: Welcome to Forward. Educate yourself on the new world. The podcast of the Forward Banking Chiropractic Alliance with your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Real chiropractic talk. No rainbows, no unicorns.
1: Start putting in the work.
0: The biggest names in the industry. The legends, the innovators, the up-and-comers. This is the podcast for progressive DCs. So buckle up. Passion is the
2: feeling you have that you would probably do this for free and you can't believe somebody pays you to do it. All right, everybody, welcome to season two of Forward, the podcast, the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. I am your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe, and today's guest is Dr. Craig Liebenson. Look, I'm going to do his bio from his website, but there's no, you can't, you can't bio Craig Liebenson. There's no way to sort of compress uh, the effect he's had on the profession and on people's lives, particularly his patients, of course, into one sort of thing. So I'm going to read it off, but look, (laughs) we're talking about a legend here, and um, this bio probably doesn't do the full justice of Dr. Levenson's, but here it is. Dr. Levenson is director of LA Sport and Spine, a pain management rehabilitation performance enhancement center providing one-on-one musculoskeletal care. He's an adjunct professor in the School of Chiropractic, Division of Health Sciences at Murdoch University, Perth, Australia, and consultant for the Anglo-European Chiropractic College, Master of Science Programs in Chiropractic Rehabilitation. The first ever chiropractic member of the McKinsey Institute, U.S., Board of Directors. He serves on the editorial boards of numerous journals, including the Journal of Occupational Rehabilitation, the PM&R Journal of Injury. Function and Rehabilitation, the Journal of Body Work and Movement Therapy, and the Journal of Manual Therapy. Dr. Liebenson is the first healthcare care provider in California to receive a certificate of recognition from the National Committee for Quality Assurance, NCQA, on Achievement of Recognition for Delivery of Quality Back Pain Care. He's actively engaged in ongoing research on the spinal stabilization system as a visiting scholar at Professor Stuart McGill's Spine Biomechanics Laboratory at the University of Waterloo. Uh, That's probably got to be updated, right? Because Stu has retired, but hey, let's keep going. He began studying with both Dr. Carol Lewitt and Professor Vladimir Yanda beginning in 1987 and began hosting Pavel Kolosh's programs in the late 1990s. Dr. Liebenson publishes extensively and is the editor of the book/slash/DVD, Rehabilitation of the Spine, a practitioner's model, uh, sorry, practitioner's manual, second edition, soon to be third edition, yee! DVD series, Yoga and Ergonomics, Core Stability Training and Functional Performance Training, and the Functional Training Handbook, which is excellent. He has had books published into Spanish, Greek, Korean, Chinese, and Japanese. He worked as a team chiropractor for the NBA Los Angeles Clippers from 2005 to 2009. Hey, look, the Cairo can't help the team win. They just keep them healthy, but that's my own editorial. Consulted with the major league baseball, Arizona Diamondbacks, NFL, Seattle Seahawks, and Boston Sports Medicine and Performance Group. He serves on the advisory council for Equinox Worldwide Luxury Fitness Gyms. So ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy my interview with Dr. Craig Liebenson. Join Parker Seminars in the heart of Las Vegas, February 21st through the 23rd, for an incredible three days of growth, education, and inspiration. Featured among our 37 speakers are world-renowned evidence-based leaders, Dr. Crave Levinson and Dr. Stuart McGill. The Parker Seminars Las Vegas has the People Shark, Damon John, and Baseball Hall of Famer Cal Ripken Jr. sharing their unprecedented insights on leadership and success. Please visit ParkerSeminars.com and use our special promotional code CLV50 to receive $50 off our unheard of Las Vegas single attendee registration price. Register today. The Chiropractic Success Academy is a membership group run by myself and Dr. Kevin Christie of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Facebook group and our members are up. We're reporting a lot of success, which is our goal. Such, such our goal that we put it in the name Chiropractic Success Academy. It's not, it's not consulting. It's not guru stuff. It is just straight up info to help you win at the game of chiropractic. You can check us out at membership.csacircle.com, and we'll see you on the inside. PainZone, my friends. You want some free samples? Check them out. ipainzone.com. I highly recommend them. I use PainZone myself. A company that is dedicated to the professional. You're not going to find these products on a website or at a big box store. They're for you and you only, so you can control the quality of the products you recommend to others. And don't forget to Check us out. Pain Zone sponsors the Pain Zone Finish at the end of the podcast, where we summarize what we've learned from today's episode. Enjoy. I'm with Craig Levinson, and uh, we made it happen. It's been, it's been in the works for quite a while. Uh, Dr. Levinson, it's a pleasure. I will not. Uh, it's my
0: pleasure. Thank you.
2: I will, not, uh, I will not fluff you up with any pleasantries to get started. The, the people, they have, they have questions.
1: They have questions.
2: Um, but I've been a longtime fan of uh, rehab with the spine. Um, I don't remember. I think maybe you had come to Western States Chiropractic College once while I was a student. Did a little brief talk. Every now and again, they had people come in. I know that was one way that I, I was exposed to Stu McGill. Uh, was that he was actually there on campus. Um, it's one way I was exposed to uh, the uh, Tom Hyde. Uh, I think even before Factor was a thing, was he came on campus, showed us what he was thinking at the time. Um, and then for you, more personally, I think my first real exposure to what you were thinking beyond rehab of the spine, which I got in a little bit, was when you quote-unquote moderated the Stu McGill-Gray uh, Cook debates at Stanford, which really oh. it's, it's facilitating. It wasn't moderating. It was facilitating. But how was that experience for you? Uh, the so-called debate.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: I think, I think uh, Stu used the word debate on his website, but it was never promoted as that. It was promoted as a dialogue, uh, a dialogue about function. Right. And uh, this was, um, that was fun. It was great. I started back in uh, 87 hosting symposiums. The first one I organized as a student before I graduated and uh, came to fruition with Scott Haldeman and uh, Professor Core, Dr. Levitt, and some uh, CNCC giants, uh, Ron Gittleman, Adrian Grice, also uh, Leon Chaytow, and then I held five of those, and then a couple in uh, Chicago about 10 years later, uh, one with uh, the McGill of the Needs and Hewitt and Stu and I, uh, and one with Gary Gray, another with Pavel Kolaj. Uh and then uh, held this one meeting when Joel Press, uh, the medical director of physiatrics at we have into the Chicago, associated with Northwestern, got up and said that uh, he would offer up his facility for future programs. Uh, this was at the end of the meeting, which blew my mind. We had 25 physiatrists, 25 chiros, 25 PTs, invitation only for a program in Buffalo. Uh, Yonda and Phil Greenman were the keynotes. Stu was on the program and uh, you know, some great chiropractors like Donald Murphy were there. Uh, uh-huh. Robert Lardner was there and uh, the end of that meeting Joel, Joel got up and said that and it just blew my mind um, so we held a couple more meetings and then uh, after a bit of a hiatus uh, I asked Stu if he wanted to do this because I think what's interesting is the back background it sort of speaks to, to my uh, sort of my uh, inspirations and motivations uh, at uh, that time especially at places like Perform Better and social media platforms. FMS was sort of at its peak. Movement had just come out. And uh, I think that they were uh, kind of pushing their weight around a little bit. They were uh, not saying that it was not an injury prediction screen. Instead, they were saying that it was identifying metaphorically the silent killers uh, of uh, of future ominous things in the muscular skeletal space,
1: right?
0: And they were very critical of Stu, uh, not Greg. That's why we did the meeting because it wasn't Greg, uh, but it was everybody around it. You know, these typical herd mentality. Yeah. Everybody defending their their approach.
2: Yeah, I think Stu referred. An, Stu referred to them as whippersnappers.
0: <laughs> well, it's always been a motivation for me when people develop the typical expected uh, cognitive dissonance and they have a blind spot for the Achilles heel of their own system. And we have this predilection, as Dostoevsky said, for systems. And uh, I love Gray Cook. I love I love the FMS. I love the SFMA. Uh, it's an upgrade on what I learned from Professor Yonda. I see it as an evolution. But it's nice. like when the McKinsey people online we're bashing the crap out of isometric, neutral uh, uh, active care approaches such as stews. Um There's not one road to Rome. And I knew Gray. Gray is such a, such a gentleman and such a great, great, great articulator of, of the most important salient thoughts of, of our day in our field. And so I, I knew that uh, we needed to do this. And that's what led to the meeting because it had to happen.
1: Right.
2: Um, I guess one of the first things I would ask is, is there anything else in the works of that caliber? Of that caliber? Is there anything else you can call to the table?
0: (laughs) I know what I'd like. Uh, I know what I'd like. uh, And I don't think it'll happen.
2: Um, (laughs) I I, I would... It involves cross-country, cross-world, cross-Atlantic flights, I'd imagine.
0: No it involves it involves getting some very important people uh, to uh, come to the table for an open open discussion again and and not a debate um, right. i uh, I'm very transparent um, I don't think it'll happen, but I really want Lorimer Mosley and Stu to come together. I think uh, Lorimer is a lion of a man. he's the giant uh, I think he's. Uh, a humble humble scientist uh, and I think uh, that uh, sue is uh, such a game changer uh, such an incredible craftsman of the architecture of of really how we calm things down and build them up um, right and now now that uh, sue has uh, begun publicly speaking about something that he's known about for a long time namely what we commonly called game science, um, I think it's time for a fuller discussion. Um, and, I, and I want Sue to be part of that discussion. I don't think segregating it uh, into uh, uh, solo acts uh, is the best for, for our communities. Um, and I think that uh, Lorimer is the real, the real leader uh, and a gentleman also. So to me, the, the humility of both men is crucial. And their, their scientific place uh, is crucial, right. their credibility. Uh, but I don't think it'll happen. <laughs> Maybe by me <laughs> saying this publicly, uh, I have nothing to lose.
2: Uh, That's right. Uh, I'll say it too, yeah. You know,
0: <laughs> I, I, we, had, we had a great program uh, in the early years, early 90s, with Gordon Waddell, uh, Professor Alaranta, who developed some of the first uh, functional capacity evaluation uh-huh. Uh, that had normative data, um, and Stu and uh, Gordon, who's uh, an icon.
1: Uh, yeah, his book got is... a
0: short repeated. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead.
1: No, that his book is nomination. amazing.
0: Yeah, and and he had a unique place because he would stand up to the Bogdoks and the and, um and speak uh, to speak to the patient centered to, to the patient-centered model the biopsychosocial approach. Uh, But at that meeting, um, uh, he and Stu had interactions about the same question. Um, And uh, uh, Gordon, uh, both of them had been through major debates in the past. And uh, Stu came up to me afterwards and and said, never again. And (laughs) by never again, he didn't mean he would never do it again uh, or have a, a a dialogue or a debate on pain science again, but but uh, what he really was, what he really said uh, was, uh, "I'll be better prepared next time."
2: Yeah, he's competitive,
0: and that's what happened. That well, for for all of our good,
1: right? No, totally, he's a, yeah. He's a,
0: he, he's a defender. He he is competitive, but he's more humble than he is competitive, which is what I love about love about him. And uh, he prepared like nobody's business for Stanford and calls me a few months before the meeting and says, Craig, uh, let's get Gray on the phone. Um, I want to, uh, I've been immersed in this for four months. I've read every every piece of literature on the topic of the uh, uh, the FMS approach and the testing and its, its uh, robustness. And uh, I want to tell Gray what I'm going to say. I want him to know what I'm going to say. I don't want to surprise him uh, yeah. because it's very strong. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> who says that? Who 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 does that? And so we have a conversation. And then at the end of it, she says, you know, can we get Lee, Lee Burton on the phone? Um, I want to make sure that Lee is a pride of what I'm going to say before I say it.
1: Right. Totally. And uh,
0: mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, Ky- Kyle was on the phone on one of our talks. And then we arrived in Palo Alto a uh, day and a half early. You can imagine uh, at Stanford, one of the most gorgeous campuses, the hollowed grounds and we're and we're walking around campus uh, Kyle, Kesel, gray, Stu, and I. And at one point, Stu says uh, to Gray, and I he goes, um, "Can I go sit down with Kyle?" Um, I just uh uh, I just want to talk to him and and what it was was he was going to be shredding like Kyle's papers
1: at <laughs> meeting.
0: and he he has the integrity to not want to catch them off guard
2: um,
1: right.
0: because of the human that he is it's amazing
2: and he he does ask for that same respect in in turn too, which um, I've seen some people not necessarily grant grant him
1: in his publications or
2: in his uh, posts or his uh, interviews you know he, i think from his point of view it's like I've, i i'm so gracious and everyone, every time i turn around someone's trying to tear me a new one for foot positioning in the side plank or <laughs> where the thumb goes in the in the short stop squat and it's like come on everybody um for you personally when it comes to the pain science thing and i use air quotes when i say pain science what kind of feelings do you get knowing that you have been in the where this issue has been discussed for decades and then all of a sudden it becomes sort of a, uh, a household mantra amongst rehabilitation specialists? Like all of a sudden it's cool, but if you read any, anything from the past, it's been talked about for a long time.
0: Well, I, I liken it to uh, what we're seeing in the Midwest in chiropractic. Um, all of a sudden McKenzie is really hot. Yeah, uh, the and it's it's you know it's the kids out of Logan and the younger grads and Logan has always put out some of the absolute shining lights of of future generations to come uh, and they get that the um, uh, MDT approach directional preference approach um, is its sweet spot is of course uh, the most disabling form of the most disabling condition in the world that is grossly mismanaged as as Lancet has. Has summarized as you said the information we've already known for 30 years, or so um, but um, to tack on that 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 uh, methodology, that scientific rigor into something that's lacking in the typical chiropractic education um, is brilliant and it's necessary. Uh, other parts of the country, you know, see see uh, influences those other other kind of mentalities like FFMA, uh, et cetera. And they're all they're all fantastic. The marketplace has decided. I mean, these are systems that help people to, uh, to think and act more clearly and more efficiently to get results. So um, as far as the pain science, yeah, it's a the, the patient-centered biopsychosocial approach. And uh, since Melzack and Wall, uh, we've learned that we have descending uh, is not just ascending, so it's not just a stimulus response, but uh, depending upon stress and attitude and beliefs. Uh, of course, uh, there's a prism there, and things can be amplified, or they can be something that you are not as concerned about, and you maintain your self efficacy and confidence, brush it off, and a resilient bring spring back. So uh, it's always it's always been crucial. I've um, I've taken the work of Kendall from New Zealand and then later Linton, uh, in Sweden, the Libro questionnaire. And I've made a leaner form of the Yellow flags questionnaire, which is designed to identify, uh, when you need to think about, uh, the, uh, beliefs or attitudes, the affective and cognitive side of the equation that balances the biomechanical and neurophysiological side. Uh, so I've always, I've always embedded that. It's always been part and parcel. Um, and, uh, Annie O'Connor's work currently may be some of the best in this area. There's a book, World of Hurt, which, yeah. which looks at all these different factors. So, so how do I feel about it being popular now? I'm thrilled. Like, I'm thrilled that MDT is, is big in the Midwest. Um, like, I'm thrilled to see that DNS uh, that has become just so wildly popular. Um, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to see Stu. Uh, grow from just a slice of the pie, uh, you know, like a, you know, a pizza, right? He had he had one of the eight slices. Yeah. You know he, he's he's got two, maybe three of the eight slices now.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, in a couple months, there's like is, a McGillapalooza Palooza going on in Vancouver, Canada. I'm totally going. Oh,
0: it's I love it. I love it. And, you know, and and you know, I've been asking people like in my groups, you know, who's who's been to one of McGill's courses, who's been to perform better, who's done MDT. You know, who's done DNS? And, you know, in spite of the popularity of these things, and and you know this, Bobby, still amongst the average practitioners, it's the minority. Right. So I was just in New York City, uh, 60 or so people, um, equal size of chiros, trainers, and PTs. Uh, By far, uh, the largest number of people had done FMS. Only a handful, less, less than five had done DNS. Less than five, it seems too. So th- these are—I've always described it this way. These are paradigm shifts, and and the one we're in now is 30 or 40 years old. That's why Lancet did what it did because because paradigm shifts take a long time. Yeah, and it's such a—it's so huge, it's so monumental the change in the very fabric of how we interact with people in a healthcare setting that this wave. Uh, hasn't crafted it yet. It's the same way that it started with Engel's uh, first work on person-centered uh, uh, care, uh, and then the biopsychosocial model and musculoskeletal uh, from from Waddle and
2: name. <laughs> Do you so think it's it's that? Big. It it is it, it, it Okay, I'm kind of a nerd, so I kind of got some goosebumps there. But um, <laughs> you know when you when you look at the reverence that. The straight chiropractors put on names of the past that we don't necessarily have to name, but they put reverence on names of the past. Do you think that these names, these amazing names, the the, the people that came before us, the giants whose shoulders we stand upon, do you think their names we can re- we can provide some reverence for those names, some remembrance, some honor to to not just maybe uh, Yanda and Waddle and Dog duck and uh, Stew and you're going to fall into that legendary category at some point is like how in the world can we honor them how does that work is, is it a thing where we just keep talking we let them I think really you
0: I, I think you honor their ideas
2: do you feel like I that's what Rehab that, of the uh, Spine does? Does, does does ROTS honor their ideas well um, that was my goal. Ah.
0: I, I, I took the, I recognized the stream from the Cochran collaboration and what started as the Quebec task force and the Rand commission looking at spinal manipulative therapy, bringing together think tanks, uh, cores work, uh, that was resulted in the book neurobiologic mechanisms of manipulative therapy, which was the proceedings of a conference, uh, in the seventies at Michigan state university, uh, uh, that followed on the heels of the NINS conference
1: uh, from the National
0: Institute of Neurological Diseases and Strokes that brought together scientists for the first time to talk about uh, manipulative therapy uh, and see if it had efficaciousness. You know, Of course, this was wrapped into the Wilk trial and the antitrust lawsuit where the AMA and the American Hospital Association were found guilty of conspiring to suppress evidence that existed for 40 years from the U.S. Army about the effectiveness of, 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 of chiropractic. So, so I knew that the high art and the high level of logic and, and rational, mm-hmm. rigorous thinking of Dr. Levin and Professor Yanda, these great neurologists who were objective, they, they lacked any of the bias that, that we see in the herd mentalities today. They yeah. were open books because they were not osteopaths, they were not chiropractors. They were neurologists who before World War II was where people went if they had chronic pain that wasn't responding to something else.
1: Yeah, and same. so they,
0: they had reached the peak of the physical examination of, of the history. When I visited Levitt for the first time after the Berlin Wall fell in 1990, so he'd been my guest in the United States a bunch of times. He was in the 70s. He said, I'm not coming anymore. He wrote me a letter. He said, he said Craig, uh, seminars aren't the way to go. Uh, I need you to come here. We need to train the next generation. Um, so I waited. The Berlin Wall fell, and I was there within two months. Um, what happens? I see him treat fifty patients. He sits in front of his typewriter. He looks into his patients' eyes. He takes a history like none other that I have ever witnessed. Why? Because he's a student of the French school of neurology. He 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 witnessed grand rounds uh, with Beret of Guillain Barre syndrome. Uh, this is before or CAT scans or MRIs. This is when when the history was 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 king, and so. We saw Levitt and Yanda doing physical exam. We saw them taking history, and uh, this to me was just magnificent to see how they blended exercise and 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 manual medicine, um, and in a patient-centered approach. Um, so, so we know that, that at that time, people like Levitt or uh, a great uh, PhD in the in the uh, uh, disability field, Leonard Matheson would say that illness behavior. Is- is not abnormal for the patient. And Levitt would say we create illness behavior through mismanagement by focusing on the symptoms with palliative measures that are are short-term or focusing on structural pathology, which is basically a diatrogenic in most cases. Uh, We actually create the illness behavior. We make people feel unwell. Uh, we make them feel like they have to overprotect, which is the heart and soul of Warmer Mosley's message. So yeah. back then, I knew. I knew that even though there wasn't RCTs on what Levin and Yanda were doing, I knew that this was bringing things together. It was an integrative synergy of a complex, dynamic uh, phenomenon, musculoskeletal pain and disability. And I knew that we had the evidence, the beginning of Sackett's approach with evidence-based healthcare being applied to spine. So all ROC, was all all Rehab at the Spine was about, was really to juxtapose those two things. And that was artificial. That was my doing. Um, uh, This was, uh, 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 half of the book is honoring the Prague School, to honor those ideas, as you said. Uh, And half of it was to, to show that this is reasonable by combining it with all of the evidence about the weakness of uh, MRIs to diagnose problems because of the false positive rate uh, and the importance of focusing on the body's software and functional pathologies because they're reversible and you can approach them in a minimally invasive way with minimal downside risk and, and, and improve people's confidence.
2: I want to back up to uh, Yonda and his quote about seminars aren't the way to go. Uh, for, for historical context, was that kind of what you were into? Uh, was that your direction in the beginning, and then, and then? Um...
0: Well, Carol, Carol said. said oh, Carol that said that. Okay. To me. Okay. Carol said that in a letter to me um, uh, when he was saying that the next step forward. And so, what I tried to do uh, was I tried to bring people from schools uh, yeah. to meet with Dr. Levitt uh, when he was in the United States. I held five-day courses with Carol. Harold was on campus many times. Yonda was on campus many times. Uh, Yonda was co-hosted by Bill Meeker at Palmer West. Uh, Yonda was co-hosted by Claire Frank and Joe Godges, who most people don't know, but is a very, very important figure in physical therapy. Uh, And uh, then I started inviting people over to Prague after the Berlin Wall fell. Uh, I had a good friend, Jerry, who co-hosted some of those first gatherings with me. And we were creating a cadre of young young, mostly chiropractors uh, who were to this approach of looking at um, looking at joint and muscle dysfunction, um, looking at how they influence behavior uh, and how minimally invasive strategies combining uh, and, you know basically uh, manual therapy and exercise to uh, to empower people uh, could be to be framed? What was the framework? And we had, we had this remarkable framework from Prague. It wasn't the only. Uh, Dennis Morgan, who, who first started teaching stabilization exercises, a, a physical therapist trained in TNF who also became a chiropractor, um, he was teaching stabilization exercises uh, long before Professor McGill was uh, in Folsom, California, and trained thousands of physical therapists in his approach. And, and he highlighted for me many times, um, the cumbersomeness of Yanda's approach of using six tests uh, yeah. as windows from which to dive in, and what I didn't realize at the time, which 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 was uh, has become clearer clearer in just the last two or three years, was I always was blind to the fact that Professor Yanda, the godfather of rehabilitation, um, he didn't give exercise. Yeah, he believed. He believed in normalizing the appearance from the sole of the foot. And he taught us to have a a strong, uh, strong as our North Star, to stay tethered to the orientation that that modern society through the chair and the desk had brought us to our knees through sedentaryism and that we're designed to move all the things that we now talk about with the inactivity crisis and our, our health span. Uh, not improving at all in the last 130 years, whereas our lifespan has improved 30 or 40%. So now we have a huge gap, and people are living with disability, and we have an open crisis. Right. So so Yanda was the first to call censurism a modern plague, and it was an infection that was sent from the, from the developed countries to the developing countries, much like happened uh, 700 years earlier. It was the exact same thing. The virus of our lifestyle, the sugar, the processed foods, and inactivity.
2: Yeah, I guess that answers the you question know, from the crowd that they had. Uh, how do I get patients to comply with the most simplistic home exercise program? The answer is like, you don't.
0: <laughs> no, and, and don't. that's why we gamify now. Yes. That's, that's why the idea of doing voluntary exercises is, Novel
1: movements, is, yes. is,
0: is, a, is a bit of a dead end. It's fool's gold uh, people are not going to comply. It's about activity and it has to be upstream. Walt Disney saw it. We need, we need low income housing, uh, near places of employment. Uh, we need park space. We need bike paths. We need walking paths. Uh, we need to, to facilitate this. It's happening in Vancouver a no car zone. It's happening in London a no car zone. They're adopting the Danish approach. Um, you bake it into the lifestyle upstream Downstream is not going to work. The more upstream we can get, the better. Um, and we need to be part of that as practitioners because it's a community-wide approach, which is really what Mosley is talking about in his most recent editorial: community-wide approach to
2: pain management. Yeah, people so, constantly—they're so constantly bringing up the ideas of how to change healthcare in, in specifically in our country. It's like you can't change healthcare. You have to change the perspective of the of the customer, the person who pursues the healthcare. You have to change the culture around uh, what they're culture. doing, pursuing. The
0: culture. Um, it's not the psycho, and it's not the bio. It's the social. Right, this is exactly. the part that I never understood. And 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 Jor, um, uh, 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 Jevney, uh, Jordan or Jorgen uh, Jevney from Norway. J-
1: J- brilliant.
0: Yeah. wrote a brilliant paper in a British journal. Uh, about uh, the socio-politics of low-back disability. And a lot of this is from insurance companies. Insurance companies have short-term contracts. So uh, they're not interested in where the patient is at in three years. And in America, we have fee for service. So the physiatrist that Joel Press is trying to to transform and upgrade, uh, he's battling the fact that the hospitals will all close if you stop doing spine surgeries and MRIs and (laughs) epidural. Right. So, so, you know, I have on, on craigliebenson.com is an amazing piece by five physiatrists, all saying, if somebody has stubborn sciatica, uh, yes, an epidural is, is an excellent option, but no, you don't need a course of three. If one works, you don't need two more for prevention. Um, and, um,
2: yeah, the you know, preventative. This is,
0: yeah. this is the opposite of how it's practiced. It's a course of three, like
2: antibiotics. Right. That's what I tried to explain to people because uh, there was a recent discussion about uh, epidurals and how, in effect, they, you know, they're, they're, they might be as good as a placebo. And uh, everyone says it's a response to the opioid crisis. Something. Like, no, it's not. It's been in treatment protocols for decades now. It was more of a response to that uh, late seventies, early eighties. Um, sort of we need to cut down on how many unnecessary spine surgeries are going on and then epidurals yeah. were the response yeah. to that. You know, and then uh, the uh, opioid crisis came along and added a new fun layer to that whole process.
0: <laughs> well, and it's all web at 101 because right. uh, as he said, he treats of symptoms as lost. there's a role for the medral pack and the epidural in in severe stubborn sciatica. Um yeah. and it can jump start things but um, you know, we want to be teaching people about their relationship to their, to their lifestyle and make sure, as Levitt also said, that the first treatment is to teach the person to avoid what harms them. Um, and, and Levitt was very clear about um, honor. Um, he, 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 never, he, he specifically and explicitly said that he does not want any group in his name. He used a word I've he never heard of called epigone. He goes, I do not want an epigone. Yeah. Uh, and I looked it up and it basically means that. I'm like, well, how does he know this? <laughs> well, he speaks 13 languages.
1: Right. Right. Uh,
0: but he's the opposite of this. And, and, um, I think the marketing genius of a great cook, uh, in the past or a student McGill today, uh, is not, it's not a bad thing. I think that we need to get the word out. We need these people. I mean, what I love about gray is, is he's the son of a preacher man, literally. And right. the man speaks from his heart. He speaks truth and. He speaks more charismatically than Yanda did. So he's gotten the message out. He created a metric for grading qualitative functional tests to point out to people that, hey, you've got a weak link here. And, and unless you shore this up, you're in trouble. It's John F. Kennedy 101, the first principle. Uh, if you lift the tide, it lifts all the boats. So, so we have to go after the low-hanging fruit. And nobody, nobody has expressed it better uh, than Gray. And it's the same message I got from Stu. And early on, Stu said, you know, it's the functional diagnosis. Nobody's getting the functional diagnosis. People see all these specialists, and they've never gotten the functional diagnosis. Right. So, so this is where all the paths merge. And I think it's a disservice. to Go back to your first question. It's a disservice because of the nature of, of social media uh, that we have now have a, a parent. And I say a parent, schism
2: between biomechanics and pain science yes like that bridge has to be built at some point because they can't and i've i've mentioned it many many times um you know at at some point some people will see me harp on the the pain science folks Mm -hmm. and some people will see me harp on the biomechanics folks and i go how can you do both it's easy to do both because they're not they're missing the other piece you know (laughs) it's like you're you have one but not the other you have to have both in this consideration of a human being it would be like if you were trying to uh, apply the biopsychosocial approach but you only had two and not the three or if you wanted to be evidence-based but you weren't considering the three pillars of being an evidence-based practitioner you know one of them being the patient's needs as well not just the evidence or your experience and it's like you can't just be all quote-unquote pain you can't just be all quote unquote, "Quote unquote biomechanics." You have to have, uh, you have to be dipped in both. You do have to be dipped in both. hundred percent. I'm I think, stuck uh, on the uh, the concept of uh, of Carol and him saying that seminars are not the way to go. I mean, right now it's the way to. Well, speak. that
0: was for the future. That was for the future. So he was saying, yeah. as far as his, I mean, obviously he, he, he created a, a as far as Levitt and Yonda.
1: Yeah, a for, of, Levin and
0: Yanda. He, he wanted us to embed it in the
2: schools. That's well, it's what he still meant. living because what we see now and what's been coming up podcast after podcast with people like Brett Winchester and, and once again, a lot of the great Logan people you've, you've mentioned is that we're finding that the young chiropractor and maybe even the young physical therapist, they're coming out very uh, technique heavy. They've got a lot of acronyms after their name, but they don't have a lot of mastery. They're mastery poor in the process. I don't know. Uh, that's uh,
0: I, I. don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to judge. But, um, but uh, Carol and Vlad uh, wanted uh, wanted to have uh, the next gen with them. Uh, Levitt always said like manipulation uh, was something that was heading towards uh, possibly extinction. It was a cost uh, that we had to move forward um, and. He was very motivated in his, in it, it, throughout his 70s into his 80s uh, for me to bring uh, the next gen. And, and I've seen so many generations of future leaders. So much, so shocking to me when a Brett Winchester doesn't know who a Scott Chapman is or possibly never met a Donald Berger and then, you know, there's a generation in between them. And then there's, there's two or three generations after that when you look at people like Donald Mull, uh, uh, Roy Page, uh. So, so many amazing people, uh, and not just in chiropractic. I mean, physical therapy is it's amazing. As, as Greg Rose said, if you could tell the difference, then then they're not, they're not the best of the best. Right. So, so it is about the ideas. It's about the practice. And I think Levitt was just saying weekend seminars and it, it aren't going to be as important as us
2: upgrading the school. Yeah. Well, okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs>
0: that's, and job, and we that's probably job schools. one. Yeah. When I see students at Western States who, who aren't taking seminars, uh, that scares me. And uh, unfortunately, I don't see that. I see that the that, that bad schools have a culture where, pe- where students don't take seminars. And right. the good schools have a culture where people do take seminars. They're not waiting. Uh, and it's not just because ART is, is, has discounted it uh, to that threshold where 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 now you realize oh my god if I wait till I graduate it's unaffordable uh, so it's out of fear which is a smart marketing strategy uh, it, it's it's more affordable courses like DNS and FMS and and, and even stuff that's a reach I tell everybody the first course to take is strong first uh, take it while you're young yeah right. that, <laughs> that that belt test that belt the pull up the pull you. up
2: part gets harder and harder as you get older and older
0: um, so I, I don't want to give the wrong impression but but, you know, when you talk about Brett and you talk about uh, the legacy, don't, don't make the mistake of, uh, of assuming that DNS is, is Levit and Yanda. This is, these are two different things. DNS comes from Vojta, not from Levit and Yanda. Vojta was another neurologist who, who was in Prague who left in 1968 in the Prague Spring when the Russian tanks rolled in. Uh, during the rebellion that was suppressed. Voita went to Germany and founded the Voita Institute. He was a specialist in cerebral palsy. He did not deal with musculoskeletal disability uh, from an orthopedic or uh, repetitive strain uh, situation in sports, etc. And um, uh, he was very specialized. Pavel Kolaj, uh, who I know extremely well, uh, Pavel was an Olympic caliber gymnast who became a physical therapist. His career ended early uh, due to injury. Uh, he became a physical therapist, he became a pediatric physical therapist, and he became a student of Vojta. Um, some would say he became the uh, uh, protege. Uh, at least that's that's the way we perceived it, uh, but it really isn't accurate. It was an inaccuracy. Um, uh, obviously, Vojta has his institute in it, once, once he had it in Rome, but his main one is in Germany, and they have long-term training programs in these methods. Uh, but what Pavel did was, was Pavel took the developmental kinesiology idea and, and, and that these, these images of the stages, uh, not that they're fixed, but that you can use them uh, uh, to help reboot the nervous system. Uh, that this is imprinted in the brain. Now, we don't have scientific evidence for this. We know in uh, Sprengler's deformity is the, the failure to shed, uh, to shed the, hyper, the, the hypertonia. So if you don't have, if you have a failure of the inhibition, you have Sprengler's deformity. All the infantile reflexes are a result of this hypertonia. And they're shed as the baby matures, as they learn to handle gravity and upright themselves. So, so some of this is probably um, uh, not science, but it is a fantastic story. And it is a beautiful model that you can uh, use to prescribe training to patients that's safe uh, and seems to be efficacious. Uh, we don't have science for it, but it's not the Levit and Yanda approach. And so that's, that's definitely a misnomer. It's a wonderful approach. I mean, I'm the Johnny Appleseed. I was promoting reflex locomotion for years, and then it was incorporated as D N S. Um, uh, and it's a fantastic approach. I use it every day, um, but to to just to, to link it to Levitt and Yanda is uh, is not uh, historically accurate. Uh,
2: but it is happening.
0: <clears throat> yeah, and that's just the nature of things. That's just marketing and
2: and <laughs> beliefs and things
0: like that. But collage collage wasn't a student of Lebde or Yanda. Oh,
2: well, that's interesting.
1: Uh, he
0: didn't attend. Yeah. He he attended one course from uh, Carroll in the uh, 1990s, mid-90s, and went up to Carroll and asked Carroll a very, very uh, powerful question. He asked him if he had ever considered uh, uh, the developmental kinesiology as a platform uh, to, to organize thinking about how to improve function in the locomotor system. And Levitt, at the age of about 80 at that time, Just, just, just took it. Just took the air out of his lungs, Um, and it. You know, Levitt was always open-minded, and so he didn't. He didn't have any ego about what he thought or believed before. In fact, a very famous quote of Carroll's is, "Keep an open mind for new ideas, even if they sometimes show what you thought or believed before was wrong." And so, in this moment, uh, he entertained this 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 paradigm Uh, before he died. Uh, he uh, shared his realization um, uh, that he felt uh, that it wasn't all he thought it was. But while he was journeying uh, through it, at one point he turns to me in a taxi in London on our way to Bournemouth to Anglo-European College of Chiropractic, and he goes, you know, Craig, development of kinesiology may be the basis for everything we do. Um, <laughs> and, and he changed his mind later, but, uh, but it, is a, it is a big idea. Yeah. It is a big idea, and it's a great idea.
2: No, it is, absolutely. <clears throat> um, I wanted to see if I can combine two questions into one, see if you wanted to touch on rehab purgatory, <laughs> and then uh, work that into how you might utilize gamification inside your own practice, your own clinic. Well,
0: two two favorites. Uh, combining them, though, I
2: love it. <laughs> I'm hitting the favorites, that's right, yeah. Bobby, because if you don't, because if you if you don't do one, you're going to end up with the other.
0: How's that? No, I love it. Uh, so so John Rusin, uh coined this this phrase uh, that uh, uh, we've been managing people away from load and 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 creating rehab purgatory. And uh, I never thought of it in such an accusatory way before.
2: <laughs> but yeah, you're not. I you don't come across as one of those types of guys that. Filled with bile and, and accusations. Well, give me some, give me some shots of tequila, and maybe,
0: <laughs> maybe the conversation will change. Uh, but, but um, John, uh, John became uh, somebody who I just bowed down to uh, within thirty seconds. of out. John is a brilliant physical therapist, young, uh, wise, well beyond his years. Um, and his whole his whole ethos is about uh, training people sustainably, which is something crucially important to me. And and what he was expressing was that we're overcorrecting. And and I had shared a quote from Easy Easy Strength by Pavel Satsuin in the mm-hmm. second to last chapter of my Functional Training Handbook, where Pavel said the same thing, but far far more uh, far more. Uh, challengingly basically said that, that people are scanning their carcass they really ache and pain and foam rolling, uh, for a half hour until they have no will left to be strong. Um, <laughs> and, uh, that planted a seed and I recognize the wisdom in, in that as always from, from Powell uh, Sataline. And, um, when John said that, I go, oh, my God, oh my God. I, and I felt, I felt shame because, because I am one of the people that has promoted the corrective exercise movement. Right. And this thing is on steroids. It is out of control. <laughs> Going for short term uh, improvement uh, is wise in the case of, a, of, a, of yellow flags where people need a positive experience with movement and they lack confidence and self efficacy and they're afraid of movement and they believe that activity is harmful. You have to give them a positive experience with movement. And so you have to do. Uh, the clinical audit process, you have to follow the scientific method uh, of making a hypothesis, performing an intervention with hands-off, like McKenzie teaches, and then reassessing and letting the person see that the thing they're afraid of, that you just exposed them to, thus graded exposures to feared stimuli, actually is not something to be afraid of. In fact, it's quite the opposite, that it's the road to recovery. And this gives tangible hope and carves out an achievable plan for people, which is my mission. And so when John said this, I go, oh my effing God. I have been on the wrong team.
1: No, no, it's I epic. am yeah.
0: on the losing team. And I have been telling other people to join the losing squad. I've yeah. been waving the flag for, <laughs> for the fool's gold, for the sheep and wolf's clothes, for the short-term opiate.
2: Yeah, and, it sounds like it's the higher uh, ground, but it's the same ground. It's the same palliative
0: it's the same but it's a longer it's a long game view yeah and so so now we have perhaps the greatest the greatest thinker and scientist in our space uh, who i think deserves a nobel prize tim gabbitt who 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 just feels it
1: when he talks
0: about it's not the load that breaks you down it's not the activity that breaks you down it's the activity you're not prepared for so now i understand how to end pain science and rehab because we have people, as Mosley focuses on, that are overprotective, and we're responsible for making them overprotective. It's iatrogenic, yes. number one. Whether we're manual therapists or we're orthopedists, the GP who says, "Ah, oh, you're fifty. We did an X-ray. You got arthritis. Learn to live with it," or the person who complains and then takes stronger and stronger meds, or the person who gets referred to the ortho because it's more severe. He has the MRI and never tells him about the false positive rate, and the guy feels feels doomed unless he does the invasive surgery. So so or the manual therapy. So the manual therapy is not a nocebo, but it's low value according to Lancet. And it can be a nocebo. It can similarly be. the stabilization approach can be low value in a nocebo and this this is where things start to get bristly. <laughs> so so Gabbett's statement is crucial and it it allows us now to close the learning loop. We are over, we, we have to be on guard to people who are overprotective and our own administration that makes them overprotective, one. And two, we have to explain that in reality, the problem is that they are underprepared. So people are overprotective and underprepared. And that's what we have to become facilitators of solving. And that brings everything together. And that's why when the pain science people Boo hoo, McGill. I'm like, I'm calling bullshit.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm calling bullshit because if it's a greater exposure to your stimuli, even if you're telling them a half truth that these have been studied in the lab and they have high muscle challenge and low, 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 low joint load. So they are safe. And and then the, the, the fool's gold part is that it's efficacious. Okay. We don't have the RCT. Okay. Yes. It's safe. I trust the lab. It is safe. Is it efficacious? I don't know. They're right. Right, right. I don't right. know the studies, the studies say it doesn't matter, but, but, but N equals one rule. So right. if we're going to be precise, then we have to give people a positive experience with movement. And whether it's by McKenzie or McGill, or by talking to the person and in motivational interviewing, I don't care. All I know is I don't want to be part of them overprotecting. And so they think that Stu teaches a method that makes people overprotective. And it's a rhetorical Facebook argument. It, it is. is. It's wrong. I'm it's it's wrong. i calling I've seen patients that have read Stu or, or emailed Stu or seen Stu. And I've seen these basket cases. And, and what happens is, and, and the image, the prototype that the pain science people have in their mind is a person who's moving like a robot. And they're being very careful to spare their spine. And they're bracing all the time. And I explain to them that that's not what Stu meant.
1: Right. And that's it,
0: not it, what Stu teaches. You're not supposed to permanently be bracing and 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 moving like that. That 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 we're supposed to calm things down, and then we're supposed to build things up. And part of building things up is making it so you're not overprotective.
2: Right, and that's part two. Part one is he spends a long time as a very thorough historian in a very agnostic historical process as well before he goes there. So um, yes,
0: yeah, very empathetic. Very empathetic.
2: So Stu is is quite. Understanding of the uh, of the process, but but uh, he's been conflated as being way too much on the B part, the biological yeah. part. Yeah, and,
0: and he thinks that if, if your job is to calm things down and build them up, that that is great science, and I agree with I agree yes. with you. Uh, and I think that that it's almost like as in the news today uh, about Facebook shutting down a bunch of sites that turned out they were just these these. Rooms, internet rooms of people, uh, maybe from Russia, who are are just causing foment. They're just causing arguments. Whoever's on one side, they go on. They go on that page and they say something rhetorical to create more arguments and oh, discord yeah, yeah. and, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. and, and, and harmony. That's one of them.
0: <laughs> well, they just you know, there's a lot of people that that don't mean it, but they say things because uh, they see something right. and they don't know the context. You know, I used to show a lot of athletes on my Instagram. And then people go, Oh, all you treat is athletes. So now I show every person, which means the form sucks. And then somebody goes, Oh, the form sucks. You're prescribing yeah. that.
2: Yeah. 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 Exactly. No, so I've seen it's that. Like, I've, I've seen that for FMS. I've seen it for McGill. I've seen it for McKinsey. I've, it doesn't matter what you put out there. They're out there waiting to sort of uh, get after it. Do well, you, um,
0: you know, there's the new, you're a baseball fan. Bobby?
2: Yeah, I'm a Dodger fan. I've been a Dodger. F- Jackie oh, yeah. Robinson was my first book, uh, my first biography well, I read.
0: Well, I just I saw Machado's first game for Do- at the yeah. Dodger Stadium, and he had, a, he had a home run at the end of the game. It was a highlight.
1: But, but
0: um But but you know about the new Ted Williams uh, uh, footage that was just released and aired on CBC.
2: I haven't seen it, but I heard about it. Yeah.
0: Okay, so in a vault, some guy had uh, in his in his drawer, he had archival footage. He had gotten a he was a film student or art student, had gotten a film camera in whatever it was, nineteen fifty eight or whatever. And and he went to Ted Williams' last game and filmed every at bat from different angles and he offered it to the Red Sox, they turned them down. He offered it to the they turned them down. Finally some guy was doing some some story about Ted and he contacted him and the guy fell out of his chair and it and it just aired. I can't wait to see it. But uh but um uh the the thing is uh, his form sucked <laughs> no no this i have to get back to your gamification question but, yeah, yeah uh uh but but uh i forget my point now you're gonna talking about baseball i forget where we're headed it'll, it'll come
2: back to me well let me ask uh, you this well let me make a quote yeah. uh i'm going to quote average joe chiropractor out there but craig yeah. I get paid to adjust and do rehab. How do you even get paid to do what you do?
0: That's, like a, that's a great question. That's a great question. Uh, I think you provide the highest quality service. And uh, if, you are, if you realize communication is the most important technique and you learn about motivational inter- interviewing um, and learn what people's goals are, uh, after you listen to them and ask them, you know, what are you here for? And you find out what they're expecting. Uh, when you spend time and learn what their goals are, I spend over an hour with every patient on the first visit and 90% of that is on the history. Yeah. That's all before the, the needs analysis, which is my exam. Um, uh, when you find out what their goals are and then uh, you give them a positive experience with movement and give them hope and give them an achievement plan that is simple. Not some story, just in their own language, uh, a plan uh, to help them achieve their goals. So, relatedness is high. You, have, you now have trust, and, and you're unlike anybody else. You're now a benchmark. You're yep. exceeding their expectations. Uh, you don't have to worry about it. That's right, buddy. That's right. Um, someone out provide there. Provide the highest quality yes. service. Be, be the epitome of excellence. Uh, yeah. This is the best practice management in the world.
2: This is a slight departure uh, and a slight self-promotion, but me and my friend, Kevin Christie, who's a, a chiropractor in, in Florida, we started this thing called the Chiropractic Success Academy. It's a membership thing, and, and we have people who are members there. And these are the things that we talk about with them, uh, because most of their questions are like, how do I bill properly for insurance? How do I, you know, what what advertising scheme do I use? And, and our conversations are, are not based around any of that at all. It's based around how do you create. Or how do you become the most valuable uh, provider to the person who has come to see you? How do you build value and trust and things like? Hey, that?
0: Hey, I heard Greg Rose talk about this, and you know, people were thinking you have to get the shiny new things, uh, and he, <laughs> he said, "No,
2: no, no. it's not. It, it's, it's time it's and communication." Yeah,
0: totally. Communication is the most important technique, and and listen, it's empathy, and then compassion because empathy can lead to sympathy, and being sympathetic, but it doesn't always lead to leadership. So. So we need a, a Buddhist compassion approach, uh, which means that we're always thinking two steps ahead about uh, what their roadblock is. And sometimes, and Laura Mimosek talks about this, sometimes you can't succeed. And that's okay, because right. sometimes people have competing ideologies and they're right. going to go to the surgery, even right. though you know that they have an exhausted conservative care. Uh, and that's okay. That's okay.
2: Yeah, it is. Is it... Um Uh, Or even Jim Parker uh, of Parker Chiropractic College himself. He said that love was his first technique. Uh, Loving
0: service and humility. I went to Parker for the first time, uh, Bobby, recently, and I couldn't believe the Parker poster. Uh, There (laughs) was 10 or 12 quotes, and and I use a couple of those quotes now in each of my talks. Uh, It's it's genius.
2: Yeah, I'm the same. And, And it's great that Bill Morgan's there. Um, because he's going to have Stu at Parker Seminars. Are you also going to be at Parker yeah, yeah, in Las yeah, Vegas? Yeah. On yep. yes. fr- Friday, I mean, Stu is Saturday. I can't it's, wait. It's absolutely amazing stuff. Uh, it, it all does come together. I mean, old-time chiropractors were not wrong. Uh, and I think they were on to a lot of things that were very right. Uh, but we as a tribe sort of fell into a, a pocket of one, one cause, one cure. Uh, that, that's not relevant. It doesn't work. It's not right. And some of these guys who it, consider themselves evidence based, they're they're like, but this is what I fell into. I I get paid to crack crack backs and rub muscles. Oh please! <laughs> <laughs> we have a you
0: know, we that's have what the insurance inequity.
2: pays me for. That's what the insurance. We
0: have pays a me disability. For. We have a disability epidemic. The chiropractic profession will go extinct if if we don't get our shit together. I'm sorry. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Uh, I want to give the you the a TTS.
0: The PTS are on the inside, and uh, I love being a rebel. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I absolutely love it. I embrace it, and uh, uh, I don't care PTDC. When I started inviting people to to LACC, um, it didn't matter the letters after their name. Yeah. Um, and I remember hearing, you know, from most people in, in on our board of trustees, oh, you can't do nutrition, you can't do exercise, people won't comply, <laughs> uh, and it's not true. You just have to. Uh, build trust. So you have to you have to care and you have to learn all the different methods because you don't you have to have options like leave talked about an anti fragile and black swan and skin in the game. You have to have options because you don't know what they're gonna need. It's not about your program, it's about their profile. It's and the that's why again, it's yeah. it's not it's not uh one cause, one cure. That's that's a fallacy. You don't know. It's too much complexity. And yeah. to be certain, that's the mistake of the orthopedist. Why <laughs> would a chiropractor make the mistake of the orthopedist that's right.
2: i, I uh, now uh, I got you now I got you fired up. See, I knew I could get you some some way somehow
0: <laughs> Oh, i'm, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying this i just I just have to play back the tape and and try to remember what what, what I was trying to say when I started talking about baseball,
2: <laughs>
0: baseball <laughs> well, uh, yeah. off, man
2: it'll segue <laughs> us into a part two
1: for sure.
0: So, so you wanted to know about gamification, and, and, yes. and it does tie in to robustness. So, so if the main problem is very simple, that people are overprotective and underprepared, and we are part of the problem, uh, then we have to figure out how can we reassure people and reactivate them. So, huh, that's funny. Isn't that what the first guideline said, the Agency for Healthcare Policy and Research, 1994, the beginning of, of of the conclusions of the first meta-analyses of think tanks, multidisciplinary. And then it, it spread through European guidelines, Israeli guidelines, Swedish guidelines, all over the world, the same message, reassure and reactivate after you've ruled out sinister red flags. So so how do we do that? Gamify it. And I didn't know what gamification was. I'd published on it, and I was inaccurate. Gamification is game theory. It's about user experience. It's about giving a positive user experience. It's about knowing what's important to people so it gets back to their goals and expectations again. And, and gamifying is like on a video game. It's a hack for how you get from one level to the next. So what I do is I do what Pavel Satsling showed in his first video, Return of the Kettlebell. I like Return of the Dragon. Return of the Kettlebell. What's, the, what's 10 minutes in? is a squat facing a wall. Stu called it a window pain squat? It's from yep. Pavel Sasson. You hold the kettlebell, you face the wall. All of your people who are sedentary, as Yonda described, have forward-drawn posture, and they don't know how to hinge. They've lost the hinge, so they can't spare their spine. So as Yonda taught, as Stu teaches, as joint-by-joint joint teaches, we got to get upstream, not treat downstream. We've got to get to the source of the trouble in the kinetic chain. So what better thing... Than something that is self-limiting or self-correcting. You face a wall and you squat up and down. You now have preserved lordosis and you groove a new pattern in your CNS that is transferable to ADL. And and that's what gamification is. It's if all you did were what Gray calls reactive, self-limiting or self-correcting exercises, you can guide by the side. Compliance is better. It's more fun because people get a positive experience. And then all you have to do is do what McKenzie teaches. You have to reassess in the end and have them bend forward or do camps or whatever. Uh, and if they feel better, it's case closed. They ask, what should I do? They didn't even ask, what should I do? They go, they, it's, the tables are turned. They go, should I do that? <laughs> and I've already videoed it. I've already videoed it. And I ask if they have an iPhone. And we airdrop it. There you go. If they don't, I grab their phone. They're Android, and we
2: re-video it. Look at you, the little Buddhist who knows technology.
0: <laughs> I've been caught by millennials.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, you've got you've got one. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, stop but doing. But gamification it, is just making
0: way. it fun, and not, and you're right. You use the novelty word. It's it's either building more robustness. Uh, which is the, the intensity side, or at first the volume. So, first move well, then move often, which is really my second principle. And then uh, find the hardest thing you do well, which is my third principle. That's the robustness. So, volume first and then intensity. I tell patients approach.
2: Yeah. I tell them we either need to get you out of the fire or make you more fireproof. Ah, oh, that's awesome. And, and, oh, and I'm and using then, that today. And then we're going we're gonna to decide which one of those we got to focus on first.
0: And I would just, I would just go farther down that, that, that pathway and say, I'm, like Robin said, if, if somebody puts their finger in the fire, you don't pull it out
1: <laughs> there. Yeah, totally. So,
0: so, so he had a, he had a great quote that was on the cover of the, one of the McKenzie magazines when I, I saw it, when I was on their board way back when, and he said, if somebody, if, if, if somebody throws their back out, if you're any good at the spine game, you can show them how to put their back back in.
2: Yeah. It's like a fight club. They pour the acid on the hand and say, I want you to feel what it feels like. So you know what it feels like. And then once you know what it feels like, no one can ever change you ever again. You know what Stu said? To, I told Stu what he said to me once. And he said, well, it's not something I would say. I'm not that kind of guy. But he told me, I think it was even in an email. So I think I have it in writing. He said, uh, it's not what you do for a patient right now. And the effect that you had on them in the clinic, it's what you did for it's it's what kind of effect did you have on them ten years down the road when uh, when they haven't seen you for, yeah when they haven't seen you for nine years like did you still have an effect on their life and that changed sustainability. me sustainability yeah
0: it, it is about the future because the next step for most people is they're in their fifties and they've got a stubborn stubborn grumble somewhere that's interfering with activities that are that are dear to them. And that's when they get the diagnosis of arthritis or something else, and they're told uh, that there's a surgical solution or they have to learn to live with it. And
1: neither and, yeah. and
0: of those are good options. And then, of course, you go from the arthritis and disability of, of, and limitations of activity of your 50s and 60s to the next great challenge, uh, which is falls in your 70s. And then right. finally, we have to prepare people for their 90s before their 90 because their ma- major threat to their independence is they can't get up from the toilet, so it's a squat. So it's two-leg squat at 90, single-leg control in their 70s, uh, and of course, uh, you know, more broad uh, kinetic chain, uh, just common sense uh, stability upstream uh, to have a healthy 50s and 60s. So this 50 is the new 30. I want my patients by their next birthday to be healthier than they've been in years.
2: That's great. That is a great story-branded way to put things that, that I think a patient can understand. Um, I've, I've done that with elderly patients as well. So, you know, in my experience, there's, there seems to be a fork in the road around age 60. If you take one fork, you keep on going into your 90s like nothing ever happened. Um, and if you take the other fork, it's like <laughs> that fork goes downhill real fast.
0: Oh, it's and, frightening, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and you have the choice. Which choice would you like to make? It's um,
0: frightening. So this is where we started this issue of, uh, you know, we found the fountain of youth. Uh, lifespan is is in its average mid 80s now we've we haven't conquered but we've we've pushed back uh, the infectious diseases and infant mortality and and we live 20 or 25 years longer but the myth of medicine and technology is that is that health span has improved and it hasn't
2: yeah it's the wrong objective right the objective is the year count not the actual vitality count
0: I don't know anybody that doesn't want quality. I think people would sacrifice quantity for quality and that's what we can offer them. Yeah. We can improve health staff.
1: Yeah.
2: By doing a lot more than just cracking some backs. (laughs) Yep. Um, My own personal, personal question that I need before we end today is volume three. Are there any updates? Is there anything you can give me? Uh
0: yeah. Yeah. Third edition has been in the works for four years. Uh my typical gestation is is uh is uh uncomfortable.
2: It's like a um, tool album, uh, yeah. It takes like a deck. <laughs> When's the next oh, tool album? When's the next Stevenson oh, yeah. book?
0: So uh we just received Mosley and Butler's contribution.
2: Awesome. Um, uh, uh
0: all the chapters that are being included again have been rewritten. Uh, new contributions by uh, legends like Nick Winkleman are in there. Oh, great! Um, and uh, it's going to be out. Uh, it's going to be out early next year. Awesome. It's, the PDFs are being built right now.
2: That's amazing. That's awesome. I'm very happy.
0: I'm gonna. I made. I made a point that it had to be shorter, um, and uh, uh, it's... Uh, everything is updated there's a lot of chapters that are going to be cut new chapters um, and uh, I think the uh, one difference will be it's going to be less respectful of all voices and be more practical gotcha so more not uh, simple to use five easy steps but but uh, but it is going to be uh, easier to kind of See exactly uh, why we're doing what we're doing, and what the steps are.
2: That's great. Less less esoteric, more digestible.
0: Yeah, still like three hundred thousand references.
2: <laughs> but <laughs> if you can't handle that, get out of the game. Come on. Um, oh man, that's great. That's great news. I like that. I like that. Does do you feel like it does what you would hope it would do as far as bridging the gap that we talked about in the beginning of the podcast? between the biological side of the fence and the, uh, the, uh, BPS pain science side of the fence. Did you, Uh, do you feel like you've brought
0: uh, enough people to that table? Yeah. Okay. A hundred percent. I mean, when I, when I look at, uh, the second edition in particular, this was a big change from edition one to edition two. So I think it was already in second edition. Uh, but, um, like all the guidelines that were saying the same thing and Gordon, Gordon Waddell's book, uh, which is saying the same thing. So we had Twitter. Yeah. Uh, And this idea to do the Lancet expose, I I think this has brought us to a tipping point. And, and now we have a lot of stuff on systems theory and complexity and uh, we're understanding more upstream versus downstream and the importance of sustainability. So um, I think that now we can appreciate uh, the, the, third arm which is the social uh unheralded unsexy and actually the most important of all and chapter two concludes with a chapter within a chapter all on the, the social in fact chapter two is my favorite chapter in the book now um used to be the self-care chapter chapter 14 but now it's going to be chapter two where where it was about biomechanics and neurophysiology and embedded central sensitization in the neurophysiology which is how i framed that chapter. Um, now we've taken the biomechanics as, as the bio, uh, along with red flags. Um, and and then uh, the psycho is affective and cognitive. Uh, and social is upstream. Yeah. So this is where we need community-based stuff, uh, where the problems are in the healthcare system itself. Uh, community planners have to be onboarded. And we have to be thinking upstream about to your point about Kairos who just want to rub and, and, and pop uh, and, and use gadgets, uh, that we have to, to bake uh, into the fabric of what we do the importance of giving people tangible hope and achievable plan. It's about self-efficacy, the confidence that people can succeed and the hope for the future. So it's all about bridging the gap between health and lifespan. And we can we can achieve monumental thing if we focus on this because the baby boomers are now moving into senior, senior citizenship and That's they right. change all marketplaces and they 85 uh, percent of people over 65 have chronic health care problems and the biggest health care problem is is muscular skeletal disability uh, more than cancer heart disease so so when you look at all that oh my god the marketplace is there for somebody who is a chiro can't be distinguished from a physio
2: right it's, um, you know, and it, for the for the listeners out there, if you're not really, you know, a lot of listeners, I think, really, they want to focus on job-related or job-specific stuff for expanding their minds. Uh, they want to take the seminars. They want to read uh, how to be a better Cairo or, or therapist, whatever you want to call it. But if you don't understand the grander scheme of how the world is going on a macro level, like Craig just mentioned, uh, the baby boomers and their effect on our society. Uh, Greg Kachuk just did a great lecture in Budapest about artificial intelligence and how it'll affect the chiropractic profession, um, understanding the transition movements and how those are written into big cities to eventually get us off of oil and oil dependency and how that might affect your business or how you treat people or how people come to your office. I mean, you have to at least have some sort of cursory, uh, uh, awareness of those sort of things if you want to be successful in a couple decades or in a decade, because things are moving pretty fast. I would,
0: I would go farther than that. That is, that is biblical, what you just said. Th- this is not something to, be, to understand peripherally. It's, it's the cornerstone of what at our centennial in 76 in D.C., uh, Bob Brooks from the RAND Corporation said to a very large international chiropractic group, he said it's about benchmarking. Yeah, and and who better, who better than an open-minded young person,
1: uh, a rebel who's too, yeah. worried
0: about their future and how they're providing for their family, but is fortunate enough to be in a field where we're helping people with the most important problem of our time, which is healthy living, and it's truly within people's grasp. Sixty is the new forty, seventy is the new fifty. Uh, we can be the stewards of this.
1: Um,
2: best podcast ever, man. <laughs> Oh come on! <laughs> Picking up what you're laying down. I, I get it. Uh, the The sustainability Absolutely. thing. I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here to be uh, progressive, conservative, uh, and, and give people life. And you have to understand these sustainability yeah. concepts and, and the first harm yeah. concepts and all that. It, it's It's endemic into who we are as people, and being a rebel and being able to stand up and and scream from yeah. your chair. Uh, but but we're just asking you to do that with relevant evidence, and don't forget whose chair you're actually standing on in the process. Uh, you're you're standing. Well, on the who
1: who wouldn't
0: want to be in a situation where you're helping to save somebody?
2: Yeah,
1: people are yeah.
0: victims, and they're victims of the the GP, the ortho, other corrective people, manual therapy people, etc. We're giving them hope and an achievable plan. This is this is the LA Sports and Spine mission to give tangible hope and achievable plan, and it's the simplest thing in the world. All we have to do is give a positive experience with movement, and who I mean, that's what we are here for.
1: Yeah,
0: that's why we've gone through this training in China. Do you realize they don't have university degrees in musculoskeletal medicine? There's no chiropractic or physical therapy degree program, so they have no option like the trainers who who realize that. Chiro's, PTs, orthos, and GPS have failed people. The trainer goes and learns FMS, and then helps more people. (laughs) And And they they develop the false notion that all chiros and PTs suck.
2: Yeah, well.
0: (laughs) But be a better chiro or PT. Be the best chiro or PT.
1: Yeah, have an open
0: mind. Be a learn-it-all, not a know-it-all. It It is the most exciting place to be because you're never wrong. Like like I've shed all my insecurity and defensiveness because if I don't know. I don't
2: know. That's if awesome. If I suck.
0: I suck I, I'm like, it's, it's, uh, it's liberating.
2: It is. Yes. Um, man, I could do this all day with you. I, I need to, would you, if I asked to come and hang out with you for a couple hours on a, on a slow day, there are no slow days in Craig Levinson's life. Uh, would you be open to that? I shouldn't say, so we shouldn't say that on the air because then other people get the idea that they can too. Um, I'll no, ask you what you're more,
0: you're more, Bobby, you're more than well.
2: I get special you're more privileges. Than all right.
0: <laughs> you're more, um, you're, 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 it'd be my honor and I'll take it to some of my favorite places. In that too.
2: <laughs> yeah. My mom lives in Palmdale. So, and, and we do go down for Dodger games quite a bit. So, um, so it, it, it might be, we've got to rope all that in together. Um, my intention with the next forward chiropractic conference is to do some of the stuff that we've touched on. Uh, in in this conversation that is it's not going to be a chiropractic conference it's going to be uh, multidisciplinary in nature so we're on subject matter that appeals to all people uh, all professionals who 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 walk this walk and hopefully we'll talk the talk as well so uh, I I would like to touch touch with you on how you pulled some of that stuff off in the early days because you are the the paragon thank you Um, thank you very much. I'll, I'll do my conclusion off the air. So I'm going to stop recording now. Thank you very much, Dr. Liebenson. Thank you. All right, everybody. That was our interview with Dr. Craig Liebenson and it was epic to say the least. So now let's get into our pain zone finish. Dun, dun, dun. This is where we wrap up the show. We add a little commentary. Uh, this podcast was a long one because obviously, man, impressive, impressive, Dr. Liebenson. Uh, so so we don't want to go into a big old long summary, take the man's words for what, what he said, and then we'll go from there. Uh, as he would also admit, um, by the time you hear this podcast, he's probably changed his mind on a couple of these ideas that he talked about. So uh, be agnostic in your approach to learning and listening to what he said. As I continue, uh, this pain zone finish is brought to you by pain zone. So make sure you check out ipainzone.com. It's a great website. Give you a lot of information about a great product and a great product. I highly recommend for you and for your practice. So one thing that um, happened in the podcast was that Dr. Levenson started talking about Ted Williams, then we kind of forgot what we were talking about. Um, but the main sort of uh, idea was fake news and people who, look, we're talking about trolling, the people in social media groups that troll uh, other people and just start arguments and things like that. Um, here's what we were talking about. Here's what Dr. Levenson wanted to get across about Ted Williams. Ted Williams was famous for never acknowledging the fans. Even as he jogged off the diamond for his final game, he made no gesture as he hustled to the dugout. Uh, John Updike, who was at the game, later wrote in The New Yorker, gods do not answer letters. This is why on the internet today, especially Facebook, and look, man, I run a Facebook group with 6,000, almost 6,400 people in it, so I would know probably better than most anyone else. Um... With the way the internet is today, and as Dr. Uh, Liebenson would say, it would be my vision that we could share without all the naysayers jumping in just to make noise. And there's a lot of that going on. I created this, this group, the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance, to move the conversation forward. The platform I chose, I didn't know that Facebook was going to turn into uh, uh, a Lollapalooza for trolls. It's just that, that, I mean, that's all it is. It's just people looking to argue. It's, like, it's very rare that we can kind of move the conversation forward with that medium. Um, so just try not to be uh, a victim for sound bites and clickbaits and, and try not to propagate that stuff. Or as Dr. Lieb- Liebenson would say, we're in an era which uh, short form superficial conversations are going on now, but they're going to look in the future like we were communicating with smoke signals. Uh, we're at the cusp of what dr jordan peterson would call a new gutenberg revolution even people who can't read in the future will be able to engage in long form deep dives into cl- uh, complex material the rhetoric of the propane science people versus the pro stabilization people it's an, it's inevitable the the hardcore propane science people are going to argue with the pro stabilization people and vice versa but for us, if we want to elevate our game, we have to see these arguments through the context. And I've actually been making this argument lately um, with the pro sort of straight chiropractic and the pro evidence-based chiropractic crowd is, yes, there are going to be arguments between the two because they're ideologies that clash. But if you want to be a, a master at your game, you're going to have to look through the context of those arguments and start to find your own meaning with all of this and make it make sense instead of following a herd mentality of one or the other. Following a herd mentality of either is bad. There is no better herd mentality to follow. So uh, I implore people to be critical thinkers, to put some thought into what they believe, and then own what they believe instead of buying it from somebody else. And that's all I got at this pain zone finish. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I will talk to you soon. Bye.